We are starting a new series uh, called Easter Through the Women's Eyes. How about that? There's a lot of women involved in the story of Easter, quite significant roles. Very often, they were their last and they were their first. They saw things before the men did. They saw and heard things before anyone else. So that's quite significant, isn't it? This is around one of the most momentous occasions in history. And there were a number of women who really heard God. And we want to see what we can learn from them in this series. We have a video. So enjoy, just to kick off today. Welcome to our Easter series. Each year we try to find fresh understanding as we look at the Easter story. We aim to faithfully walk through the story of Jesus' trial, crucifixion, burial and resurrection in a way that we can all identify with. This year we are considering Easter through women's eyes. It's very noticeable in the Gospel accounts how much women figure in the narrative. It is also striking how close and involved they are in the events. This week, our subject is Near the Suffering. Okay, well, if you'd like to open your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation today. It is Matthew 27, starting at verse 11. So if you want to look that up, that would be great. Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 11. While you're looking that up, I'm going to need some help. Uh, I'm going to need help from everybody. So um, I wonder if my, who's going to be pilot, could come up. Give Ethan a round of applause here. (coughs) Pilot, take your seat, seat of authority. He's the judge today. Now, can I have uh, Barabbas? Come on, Benedict, give him a round of applause. Here he comes. Barabbas, if you could stand over here for now. Okay, facing this way. That's great. Um, I'll have my Jesus. Who's going to be Jesus? Jay's going to be Jesus. (laughs) We thought he looked probably most like what Jesus might look like. Who knows? But (laughs) we thought, you know, Jesus is a teenager. Close, close. Um, What else did I have? Ollie. Ollie's going to be the soldier. (laughs) Come on, Ollie. And Ollie's going to, if you two will stand side by side, facing this way, and Ollie's going to stand behind you. So if you come this way, Jay, come this way, facing me. Brilliant. Well, you're facing the judge. Can we actually move this table around a bit so that uh, Ethan is facing these two young men? There we go. Right. And your part is you're going to be the mob, the angry mob baying for blood. Right? So when I get to the bit in the story where it says, they shouted back, if you follow it in your Bible, I will cue you for your bit. You've got to shout it as loud and aggressively as possible so that we can try to recreate the scene, okay? Should we give that a practice? Hang on. But the more broad, even louder. No, they said crucify him. Okay, right. You're supposed to say crucify him. Okay, you ready? But the mob roared even louder. 
and again. Are you frightened of that? No, okay. Right, let's go. And the mob shouted. Yeah. And if you really want to get into the part, jump to your feet, shake your fist, point your finger, okay? Throw something. <laughs> something that's not dangerous. <laughs> so, we're going to go through this story, and let's see what God says to us, okay? I'm going to try and read this without my glasses. Starting at verse 11. Now Jesus, give us a wave, Jesus, was standing before Pilate. Give us a wave, Pilate. Okay, thank you for joining us today. The Roman, he, Pilate was the Roman governor. And he said to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, yes, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Now they accused him of being a revolutionary, of uh, encouraging people not to pay their taxes, of saying he was the king when Caesar was the king or the emperor. So they were accusing him of that, but because they couldn't send him to his death for saying he was the Messiah, because that wasn't the law at the time. So they were making up all sorts of accusations. And Pilate says, don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you? Now you try and put yourself in his shoes. Hundreds of people, and the culture at the time would have seen many people crucified. He knew what was going to happen. So if you were in his place, you would try to defend yourself, wouldn't you? You'd be trying to think, oh no, I didn't do, I didn't do that. I answered your question, yes, I am the king of the Jews. But you can't kill me for that. So he remained silent. Pilate demanded, but Jesus, but Jesus made no response to any charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now it says much to the governor's surprise. Other versions say that he was quite impressed with that. So look impressed, Pilate. Yeah, that was cool, wasn't it? So, well, this man here, I've got the power to kill you. Did you know that? And he's saying nothing. <laughs> yes. So Pilate was quite impressed. Wow, there's something going on here that I can't see. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was the notorious prisoner. He looks notorious, doesn't he? Come on, give us a prisoner. Have you got a sore back or something? <laughs> the, notorious, the notorious prisoner named Barabbas. Come on, give us a... Show us a mean face. There you go. Okay, we'll do. That'll do. Let's be <laughs> now, other versions, a number of other versions call him Jesus Barabbas, which you'll see is quite important. So you've got Jesus the Messiah, and you've got Jesus Barabbas on trial. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked him, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, Jesus Barabbas, which means Jesus, son of the Father. Do you want me to release Jesus, son of the Father? Or do you want me to release Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God? 
the Christ, the one who came to save the people. Can you see the irony in what he's saying? So which one do you want me to release? So in essence, he was saying the same thing. Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, the guilty man, the one I know has killed people, the one I know has started a revolution, he's a bad man. He deserves to be killed. Or Jesus, who I'm actually quite impressed with, and I think looks a little bit like Jesus as well. I'm a little bit impressed with him that he's holding his head high and saying, I'm not saying anything. Shall I release him to you, who I secretly think is really innocent and there are no charges? Which one? Because he knew, it says here, he knew that they were doing it out of jealousy, out of envy, out of spite. They were jealous of him. They were frightened of him. But they weren't frightened of the notorious murderer, Barabbas. You're doing well, boys. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, are you still with us, Pilate? Concentrate. You're judging this, so, you know, keep concentrating. His wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. Pretend I'm the wife of this message, right? Do I look like you? Oh, no, okay, don't go there. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> His wife sent him this message. Leave, leave that innocent man alone. Pilate, would you, my husband, would you leave that innocent man alone? I have suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. He's innocent. Please don't get involved with him. Stand back from this case. Don't get involved. Now, as the dutiful husband... Do you think he listened to his wife? Well, I actually think he did a little bit. I think he actually did listen to his wife, but I still think he did the wrong thing. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back. The crowd shouted back. Now you're supposed to look happy at that because you <laughs> Wow, that's a surprise. I'm guilty. But I'm going to be set free. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? What shall I do with him? <laughs> That's okay, you've reminded them. They know what they need to say now. So They shouted back. They shouted back. Come on, let's stand to your feet. Wake you up. Come on, they, they shouted back. Crucify him. Come on, raise your fist. And again, crucify him. Okay, you can sit down now. Thank you. <laughs> Why? Pilate demanded. Why? So stand up, stand up, and just give us a big why. Why? Yeah, why? That doesn't seem fair. What's going on? What crime has he committed, Pilate said. 
But the mob roared even louder. Come on, jump to your feet. The mob roared even louder. Sorry, folks. Come on, I was keeping you awake. Crucify him. Crucify him. Shake your fist. Throw something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send him to the gallows. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for the bowl of water. Already prepared. And washed his hands before the crowd. (laughs) I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. You angry mob. His death is in your hands. It is your responsibility. And I wonder how they felt when they heard that. But can I tell you what was going on here and what I think is relevant for us? I think he probably did listen to his wife. Oh, my gosh, I better take my hands off this case. However, who's sitting on the seat of authority and power here in this scenario? Who's still sitting on it? Can he wash his hands? Well, he can, but it doesn't take away the responsibility, does it? So who's the guilty one here? Has he just abdicated his responsibility to the people? Oh, this has nothing to do with me. Well, it is something to do with you because you're the one that can choose. You're the one that can do something about it. How is this relevant for us? How many times have we backed down, kept quiet, not said anything, not done the right thing for fear of an angry person, for fear of people, for fear of man. We washed our hands. Who am I? I'm just one voice. I can't do that. What difference is my voice going to make? I'm washing my hands of this. When I say God has given us the Spirit of Christ in us, how many times have we backed down and done exactly what he did? And putting the blame on other people. Keep smiling. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere, so he sent for his water. I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back. Are you ready? Have you got it there? Let's say it together. All the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death. We and our children. Could you have shouted that out? This is the New Living Translation. Sorry, uh, The responsibility is ours. Now, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Why did he have to go to the cross? For our sin. So whose responsibility was for sending him to the cross? Me and you, thee and me, our sin meant that he had to do that. Wow. So really them taking responsibility was saying, actually, it was our sin. He needed to go to the cross. But what really I was focusing on was Pilate abdicating responsibility. He knew that Barabbas was guilty in this scene. 
But he knew that Jesus was innocent. That he stood back when he could do something. And I was so impacted about that. And I'm thinking about my own life. Where are the times where I haven't stepped in? Where I've rationalized things away or made excuses and not stepped in and done the right thing? Have you ever been frightened to do or say something because of the reaction you might get back? Have you ever been frightened of that? Fearful, fear of man, fear of woman. Um, even at home, at school, this is exactly what he did. He backed away and, didn't, and he had the power to do something. And what I'm trying to say is you, every one of you, have the power to bring change, to say something, to do something. Remember last week I mentioned about that street preacher who was arrested? I don't know if you've gone on to see it. It really stirred me. Now, he may have been being a nuisance, if you like, on the street, but he was preaching the good news, and I had a lot of sympathy for him. We've got to stand up. So I went on and I signed the petition to relook at the laws because it starts with these small things. And behind the scenes, these things get whittled away. And laws get made that we do not know. We cannot allow that to happen, can we? But it only happens when good people say nothing. When good people don't speak up. We've got to speak up. And I don't mean just in a political sense, but to the person you know doesn't know Jesus. Who's going to tell them? So Pilate released Barabbas to them. So Barabbas, judge, right, judgment, wave him away, wave him back to the people. Thank you very much. Give him a round of applause. You got what you wanted. You got Barabbas back. He ordered Jesus to be flogged. Sorry. Sorry, pal. With a lead-tipped whip. <laughs> then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. So, soldier, if you may, can you lead this man away, please, to be beaten and crucified? <laughs> So I felt I've got a message for the men and for the women today. And not just if you're over 18, this is for everybody. If you're not to 100, I believe God's got a message for all of us. And I think for the men, it's um, when I look around, I see a lot of frightened men. Maybe not in here. But I see a lot of men with apathy, a lack of conviction about what they believe, backing off, not speaking up. We get them coming into the shed all the time. Depression rising in men at an astronomical rate. Lack of sense of purpose. Why am I here? What, what, is, there, what is the point of me? I see that quite a lot. I get a lot from men, oh, my wife's the spiritual one, or my wife's the one that does the praying. She's the one that hears from God. I don't think that's true. I think this, I don't know what's happened, maybe it's culturally. But today I just wanted to do a call out for the men to rise up and not wash their hands of responsibility, but to actually stand up. And I'm not really a political person, 
But I just got really cross last night. Not with Lorraine, but when I was talking to her. Um, and I was just thinking about Theresa May and all the stick that she's taking. And I'm not saying who's right and who's wrong, but I just got this conviction. Where are the men? I'm sorry. Why is she shouldering all the stick? That's what it seems like from the outside looking in. And she's soldiering on. I'm not saying she's right or wrong or whatever, but I just thought, where are the men that are standing up with her and holding her arms and going, because they may be behind the scenes, but I can't see them. And I just got really stirred as a man to say, come on, guys. We can, we've got a voice. We can stand up. I felt a little bit ashamed of myself to think, there's this woman <laughs> fighting for what she believes in. Where are the men? Let that not be us. Let us use our voice and stand up and take the flack because we will find Jesus in that place, right in the middle of it. And ladies, you're going to get some prophetic words in a minute. But when she said, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream. I find myself asking this question about women's intuition. Is there such a thing? Okay, ladies, uh, all the ladies put their hands up. If you think there is such a thing as women's intuition, keep your hand up. Put it down if you don't. Okay? Hey. <laughs> so most of you believe that there's a thing called women's, like a sixth, sixth sense. A sense that something's not quite right. Or I've picked up something, and it's not all men, but generally I would hear, Oh, did you, did you not even notice the way they were behaving? You know, does that happen quite a lot? <laughs> well, it does with, with <laughs> the relationships I see. Now, men have, we, we, us men, have certain gifts, but you ladies have different gifts, and they're supposed to work together. <laughs> but I looked it up, and I would urge you to go and say, is there such a thing as women's intuition? It's quite interesting to see what comes up. My observation would be is that God has gifted you with this. God has gifted you with this sense of knowing. Why was it his wife came with all that was going on? It was his wife that came and said, you need to step back from this. There's something going on. She heard. She knew. She had a dream. And certainly uh, with Lorraine and I, she will very often get a sense of something and I'm so stubborn, I would just say, well, I've got to hear it too. <laughs> or, oh, well, I'll take it away and pray about it. And, of course, two weeks later, as humble as I am, going, hey, I got this word from God. Right? Oh, this is what I think. And Lorraine's going, hmm, yeah, hmm, yeah, yeah. Let me take you back two weeks. Do you remember I said that? Remember I said that? Isn't that what happens usually? Yeah, she's not even listening. See? <laughs> But I want to do something with that word, that this women's intuition, I want to say to you, just as I said to the men, we're going to do something now I'm hoping is going to give you courage to speak up. Just like I'm calling the men to rise up and do what God's asking you to do, I'm speaking to the women today to say, no more fear 
of what you're feeling. No more fear of what you're seeing. You need to speak out. You need to speak up.